welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Hallelujah, and praise the Lord. I get the pink mic. That's my, fa- my, my one of my granddaughters, her favorite color is pink, and I get it today, so praise the Lord. Amen. Congratulations to Monica and our deacon Taylor. You richly uh, deserve the award that was given this morning. So we thank God for your efforts and your works and your dedication. Amen. Giving honor to God, to Pastor Preston and the leadership of this church and all of those that are under the sound of my voice. I count it a pleasure and a privilege to be able to come and deliver a word to you today. All through the week, my family members kept asking me, uh, how's it going, how's it going, how's it going? And I just kept saying, it's going, it's going, it's going. All the time, it was God ministering to me. Every time I found something, it was all about me. And I said, Lord, I want to give it to your flock. And he says, you got to suck it up first. And I'm telling you, it's been a tough week. But we got through it anyway. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. It says, seek the Lord early. And I'm thanking God this morning that I got here an hour earlier. Amen? It says the, uh, the, uh, the, the early birds get all the worms. But it's not that they get all the worms. They get the choice worms. And the ones they don't want, they get rid of. That's how it works. So let's have a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, as we come to you today, we understand it is a grand day to be alive in you. Father, we thank you for the word that's going to go forth. I ask that you take me out of the way, O Lord, and allow me just to speak only, but let it be your word to the congregation. Father, I thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Ever uh, ever since February, we've been talking about praying. And what is prayer? We found out it's just talking to God. Anytime you want to talk to someone, it's best to have a two-way communication, one which you can transfer, transform thoughts and words into a meaningful action. So what am I trying to say? When you have a conversation with God, you need to expect to hear back from God, not just a one-way conversation. Amen. Amen. Some of us have a hard time hearing from God, but it's not God that's, uh, that's quiet we he's talking to us and we just don't realize he's talking to us because we're always walking away we're always in a hurry but god deserves and desires our fellowship that uh, god is not the problem his word says he stands at the door and he knocks he says if anyone would allow him to come in he will sup with them and he with he with he with them amen so he desires to be with us he desires to have our fellowship We need to learn to move ourselves out of the way and give God our undivided attention and we expect to hear from God. He knows what you have need of before you pray. So a word from God can be all all you need to change the situation. He can be the one that will change your direction. He's the power in the prayer when you go to him. He's the one that will get you through the most difficult of all situations. You've just got to trust him. We have to train our ears to hear God. He's always in that still, small voice. Uh, If you can't hear him, ask him just to turn up the volume a little bit. 
Because he, he's there. He's always there for us. He's always there willing to give us of himself. What we've got to do is be intentional. We've got to mutter out all the noise and all of the distraction and keep our eyes and ears focused and listen for his still, small voice because he's always there for us. The Bible tells us that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to come in the bottom of our laundry list of things to do and people to talk to. He wants our worship. He wants our praise and he wants our adoration. He wants us to make him the first option. Jesus paid the price for all of us to have a relationship with God the Father. And if you are a Christian, you have, you're in the family of God and you have 24-7 access to the throne of God the Father. He wants to talk to you. And I believe that's one of the reasons why he says, let's make man in our image and in our likeness. Let's give him speech and let's give him a will so he can have dialogue with us. Amen. He wants to talk to us. God loves us. He wanted to talk to Adam and Eve before they, he, before they fell into sin. So when we pray, we should take the time to be quiet, to listen to that voice. What are your instructions? God, God what is it that you would have me to do? About 3,000 years ago, God spoke to a man called Amos. There was nothing special about Amos other than the fact that he was like a lot of us, a lot of us here. He just loved the Lord. Amos didn't have any fancy education to talk about. He wasn't from a well-known family. He was a shepherd in a small town in Judah. When God called Amos to be a prophet, Amos said, yes. A prophet is a person God chooses to declare his words to his people. Prophets often expose sin and they call people to repentance. Being a prophet was a very demanding job. It wasn't like being a shepherd at all. As a shepherd, you pretty much knew what each day was going to be like because all you're doing is herding sheep around. But a prophet, on the other hand, you never knew what God was going to call you to do from day to day. Ask Elijah. One day he's calling hellfire down. The next day is out running the chariot and the horse to get to his next assignment. You don't know what God's going to do for you. You don't know where you're going to go or where you have to show up. Prophets were on God's timetable. They, didn't, they couldn't do whatever they wanted to do. They had to do what he asked them to do from day to day. That meant that they might have to drop everything to travel, sometimes to preach wherever God would send them. And a lot of what God... Uh, the prophets had to say most of us didn't want to hear it anyway. Especially when you have to deal with people you know, your friends. <laughs> it's tough trying to get through to them when you're trying to share with them what God has for you. Prophets and scriptures were often beaten, tortured, and the prophet Isaiah, even he was cut in half by the king of Israel. It was difficult being a, uh, a prophet. A prophet had to depend on God to supply their income and their safety. But they had to keep their ears open to whatever he was telling them, to be able to be obedient, to follow his direction. God called Amos to preach a word of correction. It wasn't just to one or two nations, but it was to seven nations, including the ones he was from, Judah and Israel. 
Now, there's three things that Amos, in Amos that I found that was quite interesting concerning his call. Amos didn't argue with God concerning his call. Amos was obedient to respond to his call, and Amos wasn't afraid uh, to prophesy to his own people. Now, concerning the first point about Amos, he didn't argue with God, He's pretty much, which is pretty remarkable because a lot of us, when we're called to do something, we always have an excuse as to the reason why we can't do what God has called us to do. Usually when God calls somebody to do something, the natural response is, God, I can't do it. I'm not the one. I'm insufficient. I don't have the capabilities. Why don't you find someone else that's more qualified than I? When God called Moses to deliver the Jews out of Egypt, Moses told God, he says, I can't do it because I have a problem with stuttering. I can't speak very well. Do you think God knew that Moses had a stuttering problem when he called Moses to go and deliver his people? When God called Midian to go and fight, when he called Gideon to go fight the Mennonites, Gideon told God, well, he couldn't do it because he was from the weakest tribe in Israel. Do you think God knew that Gideon was from the weakest tribe in Israel, but he was telling him to go fight anyway? The prophet Jeremiah told God, I'm too young. Do you think God knew how old Jeremiah was when he called him to the mission field? God called the prophet Jonah to go and preach to the nation of Nineveh. The nation of Nineveh was known for its cruelty. Everybody hated Nineveh, including Jonah. Jonah hated them so much that he didn't think it was deserved, that they deserved to hear a warning from the Lord. Amen. So to get out of his assignment, he started running in the other way. Do you think God knew Jonah and how he felt about the Ninevites? But he sent him anyway. Most of the people that God calls to do something, they argue with God because it seems like God always calls you at an inopportune time. He's got the timing wrong. Hallelujah. But you got to know that God knows exactly what he's doing. God is in control. As I studied the book of uh, Amos, I, could find, I couldn't find anywhere in the book where he argued with God about his calling. The second thing I found out about Amos is that he was obedient. God demands obedience. I admire Amos for his obedience because when he accepted his call as a prophet, that means he had to do some hard things. He was going to be stretched a little bit. For one thing, we hate leaving our comfort zone. Like most people, we don't like the inconvenience. We, we don't like to give up things that we like. We don't like going to other places. We want to stay where we're familiar. Amos had to leave his family, his country, and his job. And then he had to do something he had never done before. He had to go preach. Hallelujah. He had to go preach. God is always talking. Or God's always wanting to get his message through. He's just looking for an audience, someone that's willing to go. And that's like the man he called Amos. We like saying, um, we like staying in the familiar places, uh, areas in which we are comfortable. I remember the first time when God called me to the mission field, I went to Tunisia, a Muslim country in North Africa. When I went there, I had to leave my family 
and, and my job for a couple of weeks or so. And I then had to go and find money in order to get there. And then when I got there, it was in a Muslim country in North Africa. And they were known for persecuting Christians. Do you think I was excited about going? I had a thousand reasons why it didn't make any sense for me to go. And just about everybody I knew, including my mama, said, don't go. But I felt like God was calling me to that part of the world. He wanted me to be part of a team that will go walk and pray for that nation. So I went. And I experienced God in a way that I've never experienced God before that trip. And I wouldn't have traded that for the ex any experience in the world. God's blessed me and he blessed Tunisia. That trip taught me a lot about being obedient, having trust and walking in faith. When God talks to us, we are supposed to obey him. When we don't obey him, it's we that miss out. We are the ones that miss out. So I'm glad I didn't ignore God when he called me out of my comfort zone. And Amos didn't ignore God when he was called out of his comfort, comfort zone to go and pray and go and preach. The, my third point about old Amos is that he wasn't afraid to prophesy even to his own people. You know, sometimes it's easier to tell a stranger about their sin than it is to tell your friend about their sin. You know how hard it is. People you know, people you grew up with, usually they don't think you have a right to tell them anything. They say you're just like them. They remember when you were doing the things that they're still doing. I've got a friend of 34 years. Uh, I've been working back and forth with him. He lives up north. I've been trying to share him uh, the plan of salvation. And even in all of his poverty, in all of his hurting, all of his suffering and dis, uh, his despair, he still refuses to call on the name of the Lord, but I refuse to give up on him. Amen. So even though God called Amos to be a prophet to Israel and six other nations, and wanted them, he wanted him to talk about their sins. I think the hardest part was prophesying to his own people, especially when you consider the Jews. They were the right, they were always right in the sight of God. After all, they were the seed of Abraham. God helped them fight them many battles. The presence of God lived in their temple. They were his chosen ones, God's favorites. They were in like Flynn. They thought they could do anything and get away with it. But to whom much is given, much is required. The Jews were supposed to be God's holy example to the world. They were supposed to set the standard of, of righteousness and holiness. They were supposed to show the world what justice looks like. But they didn't. They were sinning just as bad as everyone else. God condemned Israel for five particular sins. They were selling the poor into slavery. They were exploiting the poor. They were loan sharking. There were sexual sins and worshiping other gods. God told Israel not to do that stuff, but they did it. So God sent Amos to warn them that they were about to be judged. Throughout scripture, God tells believers to be considerate of the less fortunate and the vulnerable people. 
I hope you notice that three of the five sins that God said that he would judge Israel for all dealt with how Israel treated their poor, the vulnerable. They were never supposed to do that, to sell their brothers and sisters into slavery because of debts that they owed. What was happening was that the Jews were selling other Jews into slavery if they owed them some money. That means if a Jew owed some money and I couldn't pay it, he could sell me into slavery to settle my debt. God told him not to do it. The Jews were also charging very high interest rate, which kept people perpetually in debt. God calls that usury. Today we call it loan sharking and predatory lending. It's where interest rates are so high that it's extremely difficult for the borrower, borrower to ever pay off their loan. Let me read to you what 1 Timothy says about that. 1 Timothy 6, 9 and 10. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of sin and evil. It is through this craving that some of us have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many things. Proverbs 19:17 says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will pay, repay that debt. You know, I like getting stuff from the Lord because he knows how to pay his debt. And he's always on time. Amen? Amen. So when we are, uh, when we are uh, having to pay high interest, and just think about a person that's having to pay a high interest, it usually the poor that's on the recipient end of that. And if we're paying all this high rent on this loan, then we are going to go lacking in other areas that we need to take care of. The old saying is that we're robbing Peter to, Paul, to pay Paul. We're trapped in a vicious cycle of poverty like many of us here in the USA. Poor peoples are just barely making it, earning just enough money to keep working but not enough money to live. Micah say, Micah, the, the book of Micah says, do justice, show mercy, and walk humbly before the Lord. God hates greed. God wants you to help those that are suffering. God wants us to be compassionate. The prophet Amos was speaking to the upper class of Israel because there was no middle class. Either you had it or you didn't. It almost reminds me of what's happening here in the United States. You said the, the rich keeps getting richer and the poor keeps getting poor. And guess what? The, the middle class is starting to shrink. It's becoming the haves and the have-nots. This wealth gap keeps the rich living longer because they have access to better health care, better food, less polluted environment, better education. For everyone else, it's not so good, especially for those that are making low wages. Not being able to afford a better quality of life is contributing to shortening your life. Dorcas Ministries has partnered with the UNC School of Nursing. And every Tuesday, they offer free health uh, checks over at Dorcas. 
for things like blood pressure and blood sugar count. And why do they need to do it? It's because there are so many people in this community with chronic diseases that can't afford to go to a doctor to take care of themselves. Every week, the clinic is packed here in Cary, one of the wealthiest communities in America. Listen, there are a lot of poor people in Cary who can't afford anything else. God called Amos to go and prophesy to Israel and those six neighboring nations because they were all rocking in the same boat. They were abusing and taking advantage of people. The message that Amos delivered to the people back then is still ringing today. His words of warning to Israel are words that we need to pay attention to today. The same God who spoke to Amos is the same God who still reigns. And I guarantee you, he doesn't like what he sees. We need to ask God how we can help people that are struggling. I know here at PGC, we feed the hungry kids. There's a school in particular that we work with that we go and bag foods. Well, how can I get involved? Well, you can help bag the food. PGC feeds the hungry and carry during the summer feeding program. Well, how can I get involved? You can come and give of your time. This church helps build homes for low-income people. You should show up and give a few hours. How can I get involved? Giving of your time. And you know, I can go on and on and on on how and how you can get involved. PGC ministers to women in the, in the prison here in Raleigh. Well, how can I get involved? Just be present. PGC is part of One Wake. It's an advocacy group that is trying to get more affordable housing here in the Triangle. There is no shortage of opportunities for you to give back if you want to. As I close, let me remind you that we're in the season of Lent a time leading up to the Resurrection Sunday when Christians all over the world are repenting of their sins, their fasting and praying. Let's seek God's face and not just his hands. Let's use some of our resources of time to be a blessing to others. Amen. If you are ready to give your life to Jesus Christ, we invite you to pray this prayer with us. And it says, Dear Lord, I admit that I am a sinner and there is nothing that I can do to save myself. I ask for your forgiveness. And you can do this if you are streaming. At this moment, I believe you alone are the one who bore my sins when you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Today, I turn from my sinful life and invite you into my heart. I will trust you and follow you all of the days of my life. Thank you for saving me and hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 
thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.